What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And we have, I guess you can call it our season finale. I don't know. I don't know. Is it a season finale? Either way, the Hawks are done with Summer League. There's still some trade rumors floating around about whether or not the Hawks will be able to pull off a deal to get Pascal Siakam. And we're here to talk about it. Of course, I'm here with my trusty handy dandy producer, Daniel Salerson, and we're excited to talk to you guys and and look at some takeaways from Summer League, as well as maybe joke, discuss, chat about what the Hawks would need to pull off a Siakam trade. So If you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right. Welcome to the Hawks Report. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. So, Summer League is over. Well, at least for the Hawks. Uh, There's one more game happening on Monday for the two teams that made it to the finals, which were the Rockets as well as the Cavaliers. But the Hawks didn't make it once again. But that's okay. We saw some good play from the rookies as well as just the roster in general. If I'm correct, this is probably one of the most competitive rosters we've seen from the Hawks at Summer League for quite some time. You know, the season before, they were, I believe, two and two. And this year they improved to three and two. So everything is looking rosy for the Hawks at Summer League, I I would think. But I think the big thing that we can take away is that, you know, Kobe Bufkin, I'm honestly quite impressed with him. I, I think the big thing that drew the Hawks in and you know, made them excited about him is just how much upside he has and just his love and drive to be better every single game. And, you know, we talked about it briefly in last week's podcast, just about how intense he was after that loss to the Kings in that first game at Summer League. And then, you know, he just continued to get better from there. But I think the big thing that you can take away from from Puffkin is just that he is confident and he is going to do whatever it takes to get to the basket. And I think one of the things he'll have to continue working on is just this how he processes the speed of the NBA game. There are a couple of times where, you know, you would see him try to drive into the into the lane and and it just wouldn't work out because the defense would put up that wall and and take the ball away. So 
in the NBA, obviously he's going to have to deal with that at, I think, three times the speed, just because you're dealing with professional basketball players who have been playing the game for years and years and years and years versus, you know, a couple of guys and and rookies who are coming in for summer league. So I don't know. I, I liked his decision making as far as setting up place for other people. We saw the kind of growing connection that he has with his fellow rookie, Muhammad Gay, who another player that we didn't really know too much about. And he he was good. Daniel, I know you said you didn't watch too much of Summer League, but as far as for you, when you hear that this team is or these rookies are a group of guys who who can show improvement from game to game to game, what does that tell you about how the Hawks did in this draft class? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I took away is the fact that when you saw some other teams after a few games, they shut their rookies down. Uh, I mean, Victor Wimbamyana was shut down after a couple games, if I can get his name right. Scoot tongue, Henderson, tw- tongue twister. <laughs> exactly. Scoot Henderson had the injury, and so he obviously didn't play after one game. But there are a lot of rookies that maybe didn't play in every single game. And the fact that Bufkin and Muhammad Gay did play in every game, uh, same with Seth Lundy. I mean, that just goes to show you that they're here to work on their craft and, and there to get better. So I'm not saying that everyone doesn't take it seriously. And, and some of it is the team's decision not to play their guys due to maybe risking injury. But I think that was the biggest thing that took away from me is that you you did see improvement from those guys throughout the five games, which is what you were looking for. You weren't necessarily looking for them to put up 30 points and buffkin the dish out 10 assist or shoot 50% from three. You just wanted to see growth from them. And even though I don't think Buffkin shot it very well, there were still some some things that you liked from his game. And again, you're going to take those five games and how valuable they are, give him a little bit more confidence and head in the training camp to learn more. So yeah, you know, with Summer League, it's so hard to really watch every single game just based on the competition and, and just things and, and when teams play. But for the most part, I, I really did enjoy watching him grow throughout those five games and, and now looking forward to see what he can do come training camp in the preseason. Yeah, so just for stats purposes, Buffkin, Kobe Buffkin, he shot 33.3% from the floor and 13.8% from three. And I know those aren't flashy numbers by any means, but I think if you're just going based off of the eye test, you could tell that he is just starting to kind of get used to that speed of play and having to make those decisions a little bit quicker. And I think if you remember, you know, Trey Young didn't really have the best of summer leagues, but here he is now, two-time All-Star and, you know, possibly a lot more in his career. Not even possibly. I think Trey Young will have a number of more All-Star appearances just because he is as talented as he is. So I I think that the Hawks can develop Kobe Bufkin into, you know, similarly a perennial all-star, especially under the guidance of Quinn Snyder and the staff that he's brought in. So um, if the Hawks aren't worried about, you know, Kobe Bufkin's efficiency from the floor and efficiency from three, uh, I don't know if we have too much, especially because he's not going to be playing, well, excuse my religion, but God willing, (laughs) he's not going to be playing too much as far as, you know, minutes on the floor just because you're hoping that everybody stays healthy. And I think, you know, with DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, and then you factor in Patty Mills, as well as, as well as Bogdan Bogdanovich, who usually plays the two, you know, as of now, he's not going to get that many minutes. So 
And I, I, I say God willing just because you don't want anyone to get hurt. And that's what would typically require them shifting him into the rotation. So it's not that I don't want to see Kobe Bufkin play at all. It's just that you're hoping that this squad stays healthy for as long as possible to get through the regular season, through through the playoffs, and hopefully, you know, pass the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah. It, and it's not to say that, you know, Kobe Bufkin will spend a lot of time in the G League. I, I don't anticipate them putting a first rounder in the G League unless he asks for it, similar to, you know, how Jalen Johnson did his rookie year. And, and we see where Jalen Johnson is now. But yeah, I could see him spending most of the time with the club and 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 getting his feet wet as far as just watching the speed of the game from from the bench and maybe playing in some garbage time minutes. But I think the one that the player that a lot of people are really excited about is Muhammad Gay, just because, like I said earlier, we did not know much about him. And I think the cool thing is that guy can shoot the ball. He has such a good stroke. He's fluid. The biggest thing that the the Hawks wanted him to work on was not hesitating when he took those shots. And as this as the summer league progressed, you could kind of see that he was hesitating less and he was knocking those shots down pretty confidently. So, Daniel, when you think of how Gay kind of you know, evolved over summer league. He he had really good instincts on the defensive side of the ball, was getting some block shots, several block shots, in fact. And, you know, he's just recovering really well, especially when he's on the help side. Like, what does that excite or how does that excite you about what his potential is as a player, you know, long term? Yeah, uh, I think it shows a lot that it could be interesting to see what happens this year when it comes to him as far as playing time or if he will get any playing time or how much he spends with the big boys up uh, with the Hawks or if he plays a lot of his minutes still in College Park. But when you have a second round pick that shows you some some progress and shows what he can do defensively and, and how athletic he is, I think that's what really intrigues me the most about him, especially you talked about his shooting too. So if you can do it from both sides of the floor, it's tough to find guys, especially with that size that can do it on both ends where you can shoot the ball well and then block shots and then get up on the floor and and be as athletic as he is. So obviously with the Hawks making that trade for him, they saw something in him that maybe some other teams didn't. And so maybe this is the diamond in the rough that, you know, a lot of teams look for when it comes to the second round. So I'm very excited to see what he has to offer. And that's the same thing with Kobe Bufkin. And even so with the production of uh, progression of Seth Lundy, you know, whether he'll be a two-way player, whether he'll be in the G League most of the year. But either way, I, I feel like there is some intrigue with this draft class. And now we just get to see the progress that they'll make, hopefully, throughout the year. Yeah. And for, again, for stats purposes, Gay shot 37.5% from three on 3.2 attempts per game in those five games that the Hawks played, averaging 9.6 points. So I, you know, ultimately I could see him being the type of guy that once he's kind of gotten some more experience under his belt and, you know, he continues to develop in the way that the Hawks hope he does, you know, he could be a guy that Quinn Snyder is drawing up plays for <laughs> to knock those shots down from the perimeter. If he's shooting at a 37% clip as a 38% when you round up from that 37.5, 
the ceiling is high for him and he moves his feet well on defense. He, he's got some athleticism that I think a lot of people were a little bit worried about. It'll be interesting to see how he handles guarding some of those faster players in the league versus what he's doing here at Summer League. But again, the whole point of Summer League is just to see how these guys improve from game to game to game. And you could just see that Gay was kind of getting a feel for it. And you see that he has some really great instincts as far as a player. So like you said, time will tell if he's the type of guy that spends a lot of time with the main roster. Obviously, he's not going to get a lot of minutes, but, you know, again, he could be somebody that they have on the bench that maybe they they slip into the rotation depending on need just because of what they learn from him in training camp and the confidence he might be able to instill in this team or excuse me, this uh, this coaching staff. So, again, exciting to see what he continues to grow into and I think the other two players that you know people were kind of excited about were Seth Lundy and and Miles Norris the guys that the Hawks signed to two ways now Miles Norris he another guy that can shoot it Daniel he shot 45 percent from three (laughs) it's pretty good (laughs) pretty pretty good on 2.8 attempts per game. So, and I, and I think the other thing that really kind of drew my attention to Norris is that he has some pretty good skills as a ball handler. He he was setting people up for plays. Only averaged he averaged uh 2 assists per game, which you don't often think of for a big man, a power forward, but he kind of has similar skills a little bit to Jalen Johnson in the sense that they can be that kind of point forward. He doesn't have as much as he's not as athletic, or at least I didn't get a chance to see that athleticism. So I wouldn't say that he, he has the same athleticism as Jalen Johnson, but you know, the fact that he could set people up for plays is, is great just because the Hawks have always needed those secondary ball handlers with their guards, just because you know, when the attention is on Trey Young or DeShante Murray or, you know, whoever the guard is, it does kind of make the ball stick to one side a little bit, especially if they can't get out of those situations. So if you can have another guy that can handle the rock in a way that can set other people up on the floor for for, for scoring, I mean, that opens up so many more possibilities for the Hawks. So I think that's, again, you know, really, really good looks from the Hawks there with with signing him. Kind of shortly after the draft, he went undrafted, but signed that second. He was actually the first two-way contract they signed. Seth Lundy is the second, and he shot 32.4% from three. He he was really hot, I would say, between games two and three of Summer League, where he had hit like eight or so three-pointers between the two. And I mean, he, again, another guy who doesn't hesitate when, you know, he has to to let that thing fly. So I like what the Hawks have been able to do as far as adding shooting with this draft class. And then the other thing is both Lundy and, and Norris, solid defensive players in in games four and five. Lundy was just blocking things all over the place. So, again, if the Hawks can, you know, bring in those guys who can help protect the rim be solid perimeter defenders. I think that's it's a it's a really great sign. Now, as far as point of attack defense, I think time it's it's still too early to tell, but I think there are a lot of positives that I've seen 
as far as what the Hawks were able to bring in with this year's draft class. So how would you evaluate just the Hawks summer league in general? Do you find it as an overall success and a record wise three and two? And again, it's hard to really judge record when coaches are really just trying to figure some things out. And I know they're still trying to win, but obviously they're putting players in different position. They're drawing up plays that maybe you wouldn't normally do in a, in a regular NBA game. But as far as getting what they needed out of the guys that they had, would you consider this summer league success for Atlanta? Yeah, I, I, I think so, just because you're able to see, again, you can point to the growth from the rookies, but also you're a- they were able to see, you know, potentially how these guys could fit in with the main rotation, not necessarily for this upcoming season, but long term. Are these guys that, you know, have the potential to to be slid in if they need to? Are these, you know, guys that, okay, maybe they spend more time at College Park? I, I do think they have a little bit more depth than maybe I'd initially thought following the draft because we were wondering, you know, how soon can these guys be ready to play? But yeah, I, I would say it's a success just because you come away knowing that these players are, you know, potentially meeting the expectations that you had for them when you drafted them and signed them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, again, as long as you saw some progress from some of the guys that you're really focused on and got an idea from some players, that's the thing is you bring how many players on the roster for Summer League, and yeah, you might not be able to sign all of them, which you won't, and they'll probably move on to the other teams, but it could come to a couple of years down the line and a Brady Manic could come up and you're like, oh, wow, well, he spent a summer with us in the Summer League, and we kind of know how he is as a person and how he is on the court, and that might lead you to make a move down the line, so... I feel like it was a really successful summer league for the Hawks. And really, that's all you can ask for when it comes to this. Did you want the Hawks to win a summer league ring? That'd be cool. Yeah, something to talk about for the next month or so. Wait for the schedule to come out. But at the same time, I don't think anyone's looking at this as, oh, they finished 15th in summer league. How dare they? You saw the growth from the guys that you needed to. And now you get ready for training camp. Yeah, I I think the thing with, and you bring up Manic, which is a really good point. It's really hard to to crack getting exhibit 10s or something. Do I think Brady Manic could be invited to training camp? I could see it. I just don't know what the Hawks thoughts are regarding him just because he's I hate to say, you know, he's not really someone that you expected them to have high expectations in the sense that they were trying to add him to the roster, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> no, I, again, you're not bringing everyone in thinking you're going to sign them. It's just right. more of you're, you're saying, okay, he spent some time overseas. What can he do? Because he has potential to get one of those exhibit tens. Can he mm-hmm. work his way into a two-way contract, which he probably won't. But then again, it's, it's something that whether they can have control over if, they, he bust out and then you're like, well, you can mm-hmm. sign with us first. Or if it's something that you give him the opportunity to shine and then he goes somewhere else. It's just there's so many layers to when the player gets invited to summer league and what they do afterwards. And now's the time where you're going to see teams sign players from other teams and go, wow, he did well. Let's bring him in for training camp or let's bring him in on exhibit 10. Again, there's no really yeah. risk financially when you're you're making some of these deals. So I bet you Manic gets some sort of deal somewhere in the league. And again, if not, then he can always go overseas. But he did. I think he did play himself into something 
whether it's yeah. the G League or the NBA this year, just based on what he was able to do with the Hawks. For sure. He shot 38.1% from three, including those uh, that first game where he was, what, 5 of 10, 5 of 11. So do I think he has things that the Hawks could use? Absolutely. How How long have I been saying that they need a stretch five? But I also can acknowledge that, you know, he would have in my opinion, a, a tougher time against some of those bigger centers in the league. You're thinking the Joels, the the Brooke Lopez's, the give me another really big center. <laughs> I mean, she's where we begin. I mean, God, there's Anthony so many. Davis. Anthony Davis. I, I, yeah, I don't for sure. even know if I can envision Bam Adebayo too. I mean, there's a Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Very physical. He'd work in yeah. small ball lineups more if there are small, small ball situations where you can stretch the floor with him. But you're right. As far as physicality in any of those big games or any games against some mm-hmm. of those big centers, he's toast. Nothing against him, but it's just one no. of those things that he just, it is what it is. It is what it is. And yeah. And if you think about the Hawks just in general and, and what his skills are, I don't know if you could could bring him in at the four because again, like the Hawks are, they're pretty stacked, not stacked, but they're, they're pretty deep there. If you think about who they have, they've got Jalen Johnson now, Muhammad Gay, who I anticipate the Hawks would probably spend a lot of this season trying to get him to bulk up just because he's a very lanky guy. Obviously they don't want to bulk him up to the point where he can't shuffle his feet or move his feet as well as he can now, but he does need to put a little bit more size on him, especially if he's going to be going up against some of those other fours in the league. So yeah. So yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty deep there, especially if you think about, okay, this season, where will they start Sadiq or where will they put Sadiq Bay? Uh, are they going to keep him at the three? Or are they going to move him up to the four? And that's where he starts. Or are they going to start Jalen Johnson, which I know a lot of fans would like to see. So yeah, I, if I'm being honest, if I'm, Thinking rotation, I I see them starting Sadiq Bay alongside Clint Capella if they don't trade him and DeAndre uh, Hunter again if they don't trade him, <laughs> and then Jalen Johnson would come off the bench. So yeah, it's they're the Hawks are pretty I think set in what their rotation will be for the upcoming season. So it's just hard to anticipate where they would be able to put put gay and i think if i'm being honest i think they do need another guard even though they have kobe buffkin and patty mills i don't think it hurts to have another another one in the chamber especially one that can shoot and i believe they extended a qualifying offer to trent forrest who was on a two-way last year and obviously they could still waive him there's no guarantee that they would be bringing him in but he does have a history with quinn snyder so it's hard to anticipate him not coming back, especially I don't I don't think there would be any other opportunity out there for him to be on a standard contract. Yeah. And I think as we talk about this now and trying to figure out the rotations, you don't even know if they're done yet as far as making moves. And again, we talked about it last week with Harden and Lillard being held up and, and what's going on there. You just there's so many Twitter rumblings that you really don't know what to expect. So come next week or come two weeks from now, we're talking about a completely different rotation because the Hawks decided to make a move. So we'll have to see what happens there. And we're going to chat a little bit about that 
after we take a break. Thank you all for listening to the Hawks Report and stick with us on the other side. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. I say it every week, but I mean it. It's what makes it all possible. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, there's access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. You can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. So... There are rumblings, Daniel. Too many rumblings. rumblings. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there's still rumblings about whether the Hawks are going to be able to trade for Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. And yeah, I, I remember a listener asked last week, I believe in our mailbag segment or a couple weeks ago, if... I could see the Hawks getting Siakam. And of course, a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Uh, I never say never, but I can't see it happening. But of course, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I'm not reporting that any deal is happening right now. (laughs) But I can say my opinion has changed a bit. And yeah, it it looks like they're really gunning to try and get him. And, And so, you know, time will still tell if, they are able to swing a deal, but a lot of the times these stuff takes so much time, especially when they have to bring in a second team or third team, excuse me, to make it happen. And that, and that's probably probably where we are right now is that they're doing some negotiating with a third team to try and make this happen because they couldn't make it work outright. Of course, we saw from Mark Stein an NBA insider there who who said that the Mavericks are, you know, reportedly rooting <laughs> for the Hawks to make a, a trade possible because then they would be able to come in and acquire Clint Capella. So yeah, time will tell is kind of where I am. You know, I haven't heard anything more from, you know, the people that I, I've chatted with Uh, Unfortunately, they're keeping those cards close to their chest, which I completely understand. 
so yeah, that's kind of where I am. So Daniel, if you were the Hawks front office, just put it out there. What would you be willing to give up? That's a great question. My first question is, and maybe you might know this, or maybe you think this may be holding up the deal as well. Are the Hawks trying to get Siakam to extend with them? Because there is some risk with acquiring Siakam. Of course, there are so many Twitter rumors, and you don't know which ones to believe, and you need to rely on credible sources. But of course, there's no guarantee that Siakam's going to stay with the Hawks after this upcoming year because he will be an unrestricted free agent. So is some of this maybe there's some back and forth about what the Hawks are willing to give up because this could be a one-year rental or they still might take the risk and say, we hope that this year in Atlanta will justify him signing a new contract or the Hawks saying, look, we're not doing this until we know that Pascal's going to sign a new extension and maybe that's what they're waiting for. I mean, that I think will determine for me who they give up in a deal because you can't give, I wouldn't give up too much knowing that he might not be there after this year, but at the same time, you're trying to upgrade talent and not try to stay in, in the same place you were last year. And you, it may take a guy like Siakam to get you over the hump. I don't think they are a championship team just yet with him, but you do feel like you take a step forward when you got a guy like Siakam just because he's so versatile in what he's able to do. So for me, it's how much does that play a factor in whether or not this deal is even getting done or what the Hawks might include in a package like this? Yeah, I, I think if, you have to wonder if they they are able to pull in a third team. You have to wonder if they are trying to get another young player, again, to kind of cushion that. If Siakam walks, well, at least we have another young player in our in our midst that we can develop and, and hold on to long-term who is cheap. As far as Siakam, I, 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 they have to be trying to convince him to re-sign if they do acquire him, just because it's similar to the the DeJounte Murray situation where they gave up three first round picks and, you know, he, he came back, he, he signed an extension. So they have to be trying to negotiate that as well. But I wonder too, I'm sure the, the Raptors are also looking for more young talent to bring in just so that, you know, it fits along with the timeline of Scotty Barnes and Grady Dick who they just drafted in June. So that might also be part of the holdup is that, you know, the Hawks aren't quite ready to part with some of the young talent that they have right now, especially if you think about it, if Bufkin, Kobe Bufkin, who is rumored to be part of the deal or whatever it is, you know, you have this guy who has a lot of upside fall into your lap at 16. You can't be quite ready to to move on from that before you even see what potential he has and how he can fit especially if you're thinking about long term does Trey Young request a trade does DeJounte Murray request a trade you know they have a third guard in Patty Mills who you know does he get injured like you know there's just so much things that they have to factor in and and so yeah, I, I also think too part of it might just be that they they are trying to see what that third team might be willing to offer or or what Toronto will accept from a third team or them or or whoever it is. So yeah, it's 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 always complicated when you have to bring in another party into trying to make something happen. And and I feel like that's kind of where we are right now is just there's a lot of conversations going on, especially because when I had a, a chat with somebody in the front office at Summer League, they just they kind of laid it out that 
this stuff just takes a lot of time to make happen. And you think about how all of that worked with, you know, that five, it ended up being a five team trade <laughs> that, that got them pot, Patty Mills and, and sent out John Collins. So it's just, it, 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 this all just takes so much time. So maybe, maybe we don't see anything happen until the trade deadline. Who knows? Yeah. And we were talking about this before we started recording that we've come up with a 17 mega trade that maybe can work for everyone <laughs> as we're waiting for James yeah. Harden and Damian Lillard. It seems like Harden is wanting to go to the Clippers. Lillard's wanting to go to the Heat. So Philly, Portland, Miami, Toronto with Siakam, Atlanta. You, if you get Dallas, Dallas in there, I know you're missing a 17. The Clippers, maybe I didn't say yet, but yeah, the Clippers. That could be a 17 mega deal that everyone gets one of these players. Maybe throw some picks in there. Patty Mills, throw him in there because he's been thrown in every single trade. Why not? And yeah, and look at everyone's happy. You get the deal done in one day. It's talked about for a while, and we can all move on and get ready for for training camp. I know. I'm. I will admit that I am just like last season when the Nets were dangling Kevin Durant around, you know, and then it, they ended up moving him to Phoenix. You know, I'm I'm sick of hearing about where will Damian Lillard end up? Where will James Harden end up? Just because I'm just ready to get to basketball. I just want to, I'm ready to see some games. <laughs> I know. You I'm get, tired of hearing about transactions. You get the little bit of it, the taste of it during summer league. And now yep. you're just right. You want to see the schedule. So you, you can plan your life around that come August, but you're right. I'm also as someone that was in the Anthony Davis situation in New Orleans is Dame won't go anywhere else, but Miami, it's like, you might not have a choice. And if you're Joe Cronin with Portland, I mean, you are going to milk this as long as you can. till you get the deal you want, whether that's Miami, that's where some other teams might come in, but he doesn't have to trade him wherever he wants to go. And it, it's handicapped teams before where Pelicans basically, I don't say force, but you know, Anthony really wanted to go to the Lakers and they end up working out a deal with them. So he still might go to Miami, but I don't think Joe Cronin's in any rush to train Dame, trade Damian Lillard right now. And so that might be a holdup for some of these other moves that we're talking about, including the Hawks trying to land Siakam. Exactly. So, you know, we'll be monitoring it, but we'll be monitoring it kind of on a break. <laughs> Because, as I said at the top of the show, this was kind of our season finale for the Hawks report until we get ready for training camp and the schedule and, and everything like that. Of course, if something happens, Daniel and I will be here to discuss it. So we won't be far, but we're going to be on a break. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us for the 2022-2023 NBA season. And, and we'll be back to, to talk to you guys again soon. Thank you guys for listening to the Hawks Report. I'm Lauren Williams, joined by Daniel Salerson. And have a good summer. <laughs>